0: Welcome to Building Better Businesses. I'm Kristen Dees, founder of Catalyst Consulting, an agency that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs start, grow, and level up their businesses. This podcast will bring you interviews with experts in all things business-related. Have questions for a business attorney? We've got answers. How about your health insurance? Got you covered there, too. New episodes coming your way every week. Find us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. My guest and buddy today is Bob Cox. I'm pretty excited to have him on here. He's a cool dude. Um, we connected initially through Christine Trumbull, who is also a guest on my podcast, who's also pretty rad. And she was like, I feel like you guys have a lot in common and you should meet. And we did. And we chatted it up and have had a great old time. We love um, talking about strengths and weaknesses and leadership development and all that kind of stuff. So Anywho, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having me. I wish I could keep up with Christine on her hiking exploits, but I'm oh trying. Oh my God.
0: Oh yeah. Did she do, uh, was, did she do Everest already? I, I don't, I, it's
1: coming up soon if she has. Mm-hmm. So I really should reach out, but I think it's I'll coming I'll have
0: up. to check. Yeah, yeah. I just chatted with her the other day too. Oh my, I love it. This is my favorite part of like entrepreneur life is the just connections and getting to know people along the way. It's, it's great. Yep. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you. Bob, what's Bob about? Well, um, Bob is
1: now a fifty-year-old, so Bob right now is about a lot of aches and pains. But I'm still trying <laughs> to hang on <laughs> to all the things I want. I know you like to play golf, and I've been trying to do some of that recently. My back uh, spasmed on me because I played too much, of it, but I'm not going to let it uh, stop me. Mm-hmm. Kristen, we're going to keep going. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say about me is I'm somebody that does enjoy experiences that kind of get me out in the world, uh, engaging with others, engaging with. Really, my sense senses—sights, sounds, smells—actually are really uh, fun for me. So that uh, get some examples of what I spend my time doing when I can is uh, wetwater rafting. Uh, we just did some of that this summer. We're trying to get our boys, are fifteen and thirteen. They love doing that. Something we can all do together. Uh, you know, visiting historical sites where I can walk through, touch, and smell, and uh, do something with it, like the Falling Water House in Pennsylvania. Uh I participated in, in the taping of the uh, NPR news quiz show. If you ever heard of Wait Wait, don't tell me they were up over in Philadelphia this summer. So we got to go hang out and do that, which was really cool. Oh fun. And uh I I probably should admit that I get uh, I also like to watch the television when these Philadelphia 76ers or Eagles or Phillies are playing. I get a little too angry at the TV sometimes when they're playing, but I, I do enjoy those kinds <laughs> of things. So that that's what I when I have some free time, I, I like to do those things at 50 the body doesn't always cooperate, but, uh, you know, I, I try to do it anyway.
0: Yeah. so that's- I mean, that's what, that's what life's about. I feel like, you know, it is. Uh, what's a fun fact about you, like a random fun fact. So here's a
1: random fun fact. Uh, I did some community theater for a period of my life when I was a little bit younger. And I once acted the part of a young man who had been adopted at birth by Chinese Americans uh, and raised me in their culture. Uh, so that's really all I had ever known. And we, we rehearsed the one act play, in the subway station in New York City, and I think maybe two people cared. Uh, I guess it just is normal in New York City to, be, to see people acting out of play in the subway station, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I, I, I recall that experience fondly.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. That would be super cool. I mean, that's basically how the movies represent the subway in New York is that you know there's always people playing music or doing whatever they're you know card tricks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Right. dancing, uh, and you're just over there trying, you're like, I'm trying to trying to live a dream over here. Uh, how fun, though. That would be a cool experience. Um, it was. I
1: didn't really enjoy the huamoys. I had to learn how to eat this salted date uh, thing, and, and that was hard for me to do without my mouth puckering, so I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, sometimes you got to sacrifice for the gig, man. <laughs> uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do on the work side of things, how you provide support for business owners and entrepreneurs.
1: Sure. So I'm a trusted advisor to business leaders in small to mid-sized businesses. And what I help them do is I building high-performing human capital within the organization. So what I do is I lead training and coaching development of managers. And I use tools like the OAD survey uh, to deliver powerful insights about how someone behaves and what to do to get that person's discretionary effort, get the team more cohesive. Uh, and then during the re- recruitment phase of the employee life cycle, I'm uh, involved in c- convincing organizations to listen, stop for a second and invest an hour collaborating about what the team actually needs and the business needs next in the person that's going to fill a role. Uh, and we can then survey applicants and provide fits and gaps uh, and do some enhanced interviewing and uh, you know, make better new hire decisions, people that will re- uh, stick and retain longer. Mm-hmm. So basically any point in the life cycle when you're dealing with the human capital, I can help you with the insights and I can even facilitate the trainings and I'm often involved in it. But most of my time is spent being a trusted advisor with some of the insights that I'm bringing about your people. You're not stuck in the status quo of your of your human capital.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think is the important piece is like, you're not just like, here's an assessment, good luck. Uh, it's um, no, like, here's an that- assessment and how, so how to use it and how to leverage it. because. I think there's a lot of stuff like that. People are like, "Oh, I'm going to do like disc or whatever," and then right. they do it, and they're like, "Okay, uh, <laughs> now what?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yep. No, it's cool. So, what's your uh, what's your background? How did you end up where you are and doing that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question that gets me to uh, reminisce a little bit. But so I was a <laughs> University of Delaware, go Blue Hens, which is <laughs> an actual thing uh, if you don't know what that is. But I had a I graduated with a B.S. in economics with a lot of electrical engineering thrown in there for two and a half years of my, uh, my undergraduate education. And then I became a sales professional with electrical wholesale distributor uh, in the mid-Atlantic area, where's that where I've spent most of my life. And uh, I did that for about nine years uh, and had a good deal of success and just decided, you know, there's something I need to do. So I went back to school. I got a master of arts in teaching from Johns Hopkins University. I was in the Baltimore area. Uh, and then I had to go uh, spend some time at a school uh, and, and do some student teaching. And that's where I met my wife. Uh, and then from there we moved and I I, I taught for a couple years in Maryland and and seven more in Pennsylvania. I was teaching economics and government and U.S. history and Western Civ and then I did that for about nine years as well as coaching high school basketball and football and baseball and girls and boys uh, and and then I decided you know I'm ready to go back out with adults. I've done this bit and it's time for me to go deal with them more not just mom and dad talking about junior but, but actual adults trying to get things accomplished so I actually went back to the organization that I started right out of school with as a salesperson, and I did some recruitment for them, and I became the director of learning and development for them for about nine years, where I got exposed to some of the tools that I now use in my 18 months or so as a small business consultant. So it, it kind of makes sense and flows. Uh, it, it's somewhat non-traditional, but uh, I, I, the theme throughout a lot of this, I, I like spending time, and I get a kick out of uh, actually engaging with folks to improve their performance. And I love the look in their eye when something goes better, uh, and then trying to monetize that and make that something I can do every day. Uh, now I get a chance to do all that.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like the, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty similar type of story. I think to a lot of like the entrepreneur people, there's always that something, something not quite. And then you do something for a while, you learn some skills, you, you figure out some other stuff and you're like, well, I'm going to try this now. And, Uh, I think, too, the common thread is the teaching and education and helping people improve whatever the thing is that they're trying to improve, whether that's sports or school or uh, leadership, that kind of stuff. So 100 percent to me. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it makes a ton of sense. I just I tend to not have a lot of patience for. Uh, if, if folks are not, I'm fairly practical uh, and a little impatient with, are you, are you trying to make your results happen or not? So, and that doesn't <laughs> always play, that doesn't always play well in education and, and, you know, some places. So I think that's probably how I found myself here is that the profit motive helps to move things along. And that's, that's better for me.
0: <laughs> that's funny. That's actually, uh, cause originally I, I wanted to be a counselor or therapist, like when I, you know, first started out in the world. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I don't know if I can handle, that part where it's like, dude, like, come on. Like you've been talking about this for like two and a half years. Like at some point right? do it or stop complaining about it, which you know, I mean, everyone has their stuff, right. And they have their journey. And I was like, I don't think I can handle it. Um, and then I went to leadership, which is basically the same thing, but. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but I, it gives me the power to just be like, no, do this. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, you want me to. Yep. in charge and and then also pay me more? Okay, sure.
1: <laughs> Jump on that.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I am on board. Uh, and boy, did I learn some things about myself. So, and yeah. humans. Uh, but yeah, that's too funny. That's basically, I just get impatient and someone like, just let's move it along. Um, right. right, exactly. So uh, what do you wish more business owners knew about what you do? You know, it's,
1: I don't know how uh, earth shatteringly new this is, but I would say investing in a principled human capital consultant, uh, you know, someone that, that has the best interests of your organization and the people in mind, that really does remove much of the drama from the struggle of growing a business. Uh, a lot of the drama in, in growing a business comes frankly from the human capital and from the people and the interactions of the people. So as a client said to me recently, he said, you know, uh, this work of developing our leaders uh, is the most important work you're helping us do. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's right. This is where we scale. Uh, this is how we take whatever we're saying we are and we make it go through the rest of the organization. Uh, so the people that supervise and lead the daily efforts of your organization, um, if you want to get your customers, the wow factor with your customers and you want them to say, you, you guys are really good, uh, those people need to be really good. Uh, and they are critical, uh, not just to the short-term get things done, but to the long-term success of the human capital, you know, it's like, well, duh, you know, why do most people leave organizations uh, routinely in surveys? They say, I don't like the boss that I'm currently working for. Right. So it's not, I don't know that again, it's an earth shattering insight. I would just say that what's probably critical or not probably it is, it's critical is to find somebody, a principled human capital consultant, somebody that can actually help you with what probably keeps you up at night and causes lots of pain in your existence as a business leader is this seemingly um, amorphous amoeba-like thing, trying to get a handle on the people and the drama that's happening. It just keeps going. So there are things that you can do and it it requires a good trusted advisor to help you do that effectively.
0: I think it's, uh, for me, it always relates to uh, having a coach. Like in sports, you have a coach who has their eye on all the moving pieces and is like, hey, like, okay, you dudes over here, cool. You girls over here, cool. You're going to do these things come together and accomplish a mission, Um, you know, whether you win or lose either way, it doesn't really matter. You're still accomplishing something together, but um, that's kind of one of my favorite metaphors in general, just like having like a coach. Um, Michael Jordan has a coach and uh, (laughs) everyone, it doesn't. Yeah. So when it comes to having a coach, whether it's for your own like personal or business development or like in what, you know, specifically what you or I do, where it's like, Hey, we're here to help you like move through the process quickly and more effectively. To the point about golf, like I've, I just started aggressively learning to play golf this year. So that at the beginning of the season, as soon as I could play, I was out there. Um, but it's really hard to change your game because you can't see your swing. So you don't know what's happening (laughs) unless someone else tells you, um, or you take a video or something like that. And even then, because you're not the expert. So I'm like, I know that I slice right consistently, which is one of the first three things, right. Is hit the ball. Um, hit the ball consistently and then hit the ball consistently in the, so that you can start to like modify your game. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. At least I go right all the time. Like I know I'm not going to take someone out on the left side of the fairway, but right. if they're on the right side, they're in the danger zone. Um, and I play up the right side of the fairway, but you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like I won't be able to fix that until at some point I have like a golf pro go out with me and be like, Oh, okay, here's what you do. This is the angle. This is what your hands are doing. Yada, yada, yada. So yeah. anyway, Long analogy, but it's basically, I feel like it's it's a similar concept. It's like, you know, Bob comes in, is like, hey, like, cool, this is what you're trying to accomplish. Um, here's the assessments we're going to do to check your skill levels and all that kind of stuff and whatever yeah. the thing is. And
1: that's, um, if, if I could extend that metaphor a little bit, yeah. I use that quite a bit because golf is one of the reasons I like to play is not because I, I enjoy it every second, but because it really challenges me. It's, it's me, yeah. it's, it's myself. And mm-hmm. what I say to clients frequently is that, look, uh, in times of pressure and stress, people regularly will, will retreat to their personality. So it's like if you're learning a golf swing and you get a coach and you learn some, some tips, maybe the first couple of holes, you're able to do that. And then something changes in the round, maybe you get a little tired, some, some kind of, and then a bad shot happens. We're under pressure. Oh, now we're betting on this hole and uh, I'm trying to win this hole or something. And what, what our bodies tend to do is go back to what we know. And what i using that analogy to express is that people in the long run, their personalities will, will come out. They will go back, and it's certainly under pressure. They will go back to their personalities. They might interview really well. They might be able to behaviorally adapt themselves at times and do good work. And then under pressure, what you'll see is like, what's going on? How come suddenly this is not the person I thought they were? Because their personality is actually coming out. And it's it's that's okay. It's not like there's something wrong with their personality. It's just if you're not aware of what that is. You might be a little surprised to have a little buyer's remorse on the person that you just hired for that role. And then realize, gee whiz, they're really not aligned to, to what I need them to be doing. They're actually more aligned to be doing this other thing over here. So we use personality to help us figure out what are they, those natural tendencies that people will end up going back to. It's just a fact. It's, it's what happens under pressure with their personality. It's not a bad thing, but let's use that to not just get the right people on the bus, but get them in the right seats.
0: hmm Yeah, that's a lot. I've, uh, we were chatting about this obviously before I started recording, but, um, a couple of recent guests also have assessments that they, um, kind of specialize in. And that's, that's a part of the conversation is the, who are you naturally and getting to that instead of trying to pretend to be someone that you're not, because, um, that's one of the most toxic things about corporate life, I think, or really, I mean, it doesn't have to be corporate. It can be any business with a handful of employees. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of my my favorite things or one of the things I'm most passionate about is find out what you're really good at. What do you default to? Just because you're good at something doesn't always mean that you like it either. Like what's the whole, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's huge you're to put people. the right people in the right seats. It's a yeah. challenge.
1: And that change, the, the, the a particular layered challenge on top of that is over time, some things do change for people. We're not static beings, you know, things yeah. are changing all the time for us. So keeping tabs on that. And, you know, one of the things I've learned in this work uh, with respect to people's personalities, there is some movement in those over time. I'm not saying huge quantum leaps. That's not probably going to be the case. Uh, but, you know, 70% stays consistent every seven years. That does leave some wiggle room for some change over time. Sometimes one of the, I would say that leadership misses that and, and we don't keep pace with someone's changed maybe ex- their outlook or maybe exactly how they think or where they fit best. And then when they leave, we're, we're kind of perplexed. It's like, well, because we, we weren't curious enough. We didn't have mm-hmm. some conversations with them. And one of the things that part of the tools we do is an update on how they're perceiving their job. That gives really important information about is somebody stressed? In fact, we can even tell you, is somebody actually going to quit? You know, they, they're ready to resign. And if you can mm-hmm. have that data before that happens, that's that's pretty important to have if they're worth saving. And I would just argue most people are. Uh, it, it's it's very hard to find people right now. Retention's pretty big, uh, but I would it, it's it's worth spending a little bit of time having a coaching conversation with someone. I know that's some of the work you're involved in too, is, you know, Hey, how's it going? What's happening here? Let's try to figure that out before we just have to part ways without any, just seems like a lot of effort and time and energy and money. Mm-hmm. To, to Why don't we invest a little bit before that happens to figure out where we are?
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, I mean, uh, to your point as far as evolution goes like i started with strengths finders because that was the one that um best buy did so like it was the whole rite of passage take strengths finders and become a leader and then um, i've taken it a couple of times since then and i have evolved there's a couple of things that are the same every single time yeah. um yeah. because they almost get stronger as i like leverage those more and then yeah. the other things kind of flex in between um yeah, it, yeah. so it's it's just it's, just, it's that's basically like 70% essentially is like most of the stuff is still in the same common, um, thread. It's just how I leverage those specific things and where they're kind of at. So, yep. um, really yeah, true. I like that. Um, cause it does change. And I think a lot of, in a lot of places too, and really just any kind of relationship you, you kind of get put in a box sometimes and, uh, it's hard for people to see that see you all the time sometimes to see those small changes that result in some of those evolutions over time too. Because um, I know, I mean, I've had people uh, on my team that have you know, had that happen. They're like, I just feel like this one person, like this one manager just will always see me as this right. like irresponsible <laughs> because they started working there when they were 20 and they were going through a breakup. Yep. And so they were just a hot mess and then they learned and grew and now they're in their 30s and they're like, I'm like a whole a whole functioning adult now. Um, but this one person right. just like, they can't let go of that. So, yeah. uh, I like, I like that of yours. And then the, um, where you're at, it's cause it kind of does the two like job satisfaction, which a yeah. lot of times is different, um, or a different type of assessment, I guess. So I like, it's kind of combined.
1: It is It, it definitely is. I, I just, you just made me think of, of, uh, that it's, it's also the case that people, you know, might be in those jobs. And it, it, it's an argument for a consultant, frankly, to come with, with outside eyes coming in and get get you past your preconceptions that you have as a leader that sometimes we get stuck mm-hmm. in. Say, hey, wait a minute. Are, are you reading the same information I'm reading? Because here's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, that's, but again, a trusted principal, you know, not somebody that's got an agenda, but someone that is a principled uh, consultant with human capital. That's pretty important.
0: Yeah. Yep. So. Um. I think, oh man, I had another thought. It went away. It'll come back. this happens. I'm like, there's so many thoughts in my head. Um, I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. it's just rattling around (laughs) loose in my brain. Uh, So we kind of talked about this, but like, why do you think it's so important to know where your team sits with their strengths and weaknesses and natural skills when it comes to that like team building aspect?
1: Yeah. I think you're asking a, a really important question there. So because as leaders, we are called upon to do the most with the people that we have on our teams. So, I am not someone that says, take my survey that I'm using right now or whatever survey. It, and if they're not, if somebody doesn't meet exactly that survey, you should fire them. Or get rid of them. That, that's just insane. That's not the real world, right? So uh, not everybody fits exactly with what you might think the job exactly needs in terms of the way their, their personality, where they would prefer when they get up in the morning and their personality motor turns on, they would prefer to interact and be in the world. Okay, we, we all have to adapt at times. So let's deal in the real world. It's important then to know strengths and weaknesses. How can you effectively lead a group of people if you don't know what are the right buttons to push and you don't have the knowledge of what makes somebody tick, where their talents might be best suited? Some of that uh, you, can, you absolutely have to learn from observation and from getting to know people and investing time and effort. That's just part of being a good leader. And some leaders don't want to do that. They're a little impatient or just don't want to invest that or don't have the time for some reason. And I'm not at all saying to anyone listening that you shouldn't do those things, you absolutely should. We can just shortcut some of that with information about how is somebody wired? What are the things that are going to make that they're comfortably able to do and don't feel like they're fighting their brain throughout the day? So man, w- wouldn't you want to know that? I mean, that's that's critical. And then you go, well, over here, Sally's this way, right? And Muhammad's this way over here. And Joe's this way. I mean, p- pick your 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 group of people. They're not all going to be the same, right? So let me figure out, how I can leverage and push the right buttons to get the team moving in the right direction. So without that mm-hmm. information, frankly, I don't know how you, you lead. It just takes longer, frankly, uh, to, to be a good leader and move the team. If you don't have a tool or, or tools like this, and you don't have someone consulting with you to, with some outside eyes to help you see what maybe is right in front of you and you can't see.
0: Yeah. Cause that's, uh, that's one of my natural uh, strengths as far as leadership goes and just people in general. I'm very good at, um, identifying who the person is, what makes them tick, but it takes work and it does take time, especially if you're coming in and you're taking over a team that's, you know, 15 to 20 people, it takes a long time to establish that trust over, you know, one-on-ones and conversations and trainings where they start to believe that you actually care and you know what you're talking about. Um, so being able to have a, have a tool or resource, I mean, don't be wrong. I love the process, like, um, but having something like what you do is, and that's why I've always done assessments in general is because it speeds it up a little bit and it helps people, yeah. Um, see themselves a little bit first. Cause sometimes that uh, is the slowest part is got is getting people through that where they know what their strengths and weaknesses and tendencies yeah. are.
1: Yeah. You, you said it earlier. It's, it's it's almost always easier, almost always easier to see the faults and strengths and weaknesses and challenges that other people have. And it, it's just harder for, for us to do it ourselves. So mm-hmm. we're giving you some help with some of the tools and insights that we're going to bring about that. And then you know, then you got to take it from there, and there's still work to do for sure. Uh, yeah, you're not done just because you have this report or something about someone. It's like, okay, now what? You have to go do something, you know, so what? Now what? Uh, and, and yeah, this yeah. is what we can help you do as a consultant. We can help you do that.
0: Uh, the other thought came back, the one that I lost earlier, too. nice. Yeah, I know. I was like, it's gonna, it's, it's coming back around. Uh, I wrote it down, <laughs> uh but the things also don't have to be done exactly the way you think that they should in a lot of cases. Um, I mean, sometimes they're, you know, they're, you know, specifications or contract obligations, that kind of stuff. But when you were talking about the, um, people just being slightly different from what you expect to, I think that's one of the things that I had to get a little bit better at too, uh, through my leadership journey was being able to let go of some of this stuff because, I care a lot about the details and I like doing the details. I care a lot about them and how they go. And I have a very clear vision in my mind in most cases of how I want things to go, but being able to say, this is what I want to do. This is kind of what I'm thinking, but you know, Bob, like, what do you like do whatever you think is best and being able to step out of that. But it's hard sometimes, especially because you like go, okay, this is what I have in this position is what I'm hiring for. Bob's applying for it. He has 80% of the things, but like, can I let go of the other 20% or is he better suited for another job? You know, cause it's, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's just not every person's going to be the same in every no, job.
1: Was, you're, you're making me think of a phrase that the, the higher up in an organization that you go with more and different responsibilities, you really do have to care less, of, or I'll put it this way. You have to care more about what are we doing? Mm -hmm. and less about how are we doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do when you used to be the person doing it and getting it done and had success, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. especially for small business owners who did wear all the hats at the beginning and also did a lot of things that they hated doing because they had to, because they couldn't afford to hire help or didn't have the time yet. And then you're like, oh crap. Okay, so I don't have to care. That's, I have that conversation with people a lot (laughs) when they're like in that the transitional phase or they've got you know three or four people and they're like i just can't get out right and i'm like hey because you got to though like you have to let go <laughs> and they're like but i don't want to and i'm like i get it yeah i yeah. mean either it's hard uh it's my it's baby biggest, like, yeah, yeah exactly yep it's gonna stay uh, a baby if
1: you don't let go so. exactly
0: yeah that's a good that's a good now let it let it crawl let it fall it's fine um yep. <laughs> Oh, some weird stuff here today. Uh, <clears throat> So what are some of the most common issues that you help uh, leaders with when you're working with them?
1: Yeah, uh, here, here's something you might hear a leader, and somebody just said this recently, uh, say that would then be really uh, wise to, to have them give me a ring. You know, I just lost a high performing employee. And I suspect that a, a lack of ability or desire to coach from that person's manager is the culprit. So uh, I, I've heard that that would be a, a, I, and I, so that's effectively helping them develop leaders in their organization, develop manager skills. Uh, here's something else you might hear. Somebody say it would be beneficial if they contacted me. You know, I'm debating filling a key new role with an internal candidate or bringing in new blood from the outside the organization. Hmm. So having a conversation about a hiring decision, again, pausing and thinking, well, I can walk you through some. What exactly are we after here? You know, some decision making around that. And then we can link it to some of the tools from, from the personality survey. A third thing you might hear someone say is, you know, recently we were, were busier than we've been in a long time. I'm hearing that actually from some folks out there in the marketplace now, which has placed pressure on me, an excellent executor of the business who excels at compliance, but I'm struggling to delegate. So this is probably a leader that's running an organization doing just what you'd mentioned earlier, Kristen. Uh, so this is a self-management assistance that I can give somebody by, well, look, let, let's, let's survey the way you're wired. And let's talk through some of the ways we can maybe leverage what's dominant in your brain to achieve this same delegation uh, goal. And then last one I would share with you is a quote I've heard from somebody, you know, there's tension happening between my sales and, and my design or support teams. Happens lots of places. Yep. yeah. <laughs> and it's threatening my project timelines and burned out staff have begun to leave the organization. So this is, I'll call this the dysfunctional internal conflict, if you will, uh, situation where having a conversation with with me and getting some insight, using some some tools to help with that um, will help leaders solve some of their business issues. Again, as I was saying at the beginning, I don't know that every issue, well, I know that every issue is not a people issue, but boy, most of them are. At some Mm -hmm. point in time, so let's let's invest more in the front end of figuring that out. Then, uh oh, we got this problem. Now, what do we do? You know, at the end,
0: Mm -hmm. I think too. A lot of a mistake that a lot of organizations make is um, promoting people into entry level leadership positions and then not giving them the support and the continued development that it takes. Like you can have natural leadership capabilities right like my that was i got promoted when i was 19 he was like clearly you're bossy uh so we're gonna go ahead and just put you in charge of you but there's other things that go behind that right and then from there i had to learn some really tough lessons like how to manage people who are 40 years older than me and think that i'm an idiot um (laughs) Or they're sexist or you know what i mean like i can't eat. Yep. like yep. the first pro like 10 years of my leadership career was basically convincing people that i was a whole adult um and that i knew what i was talking about constantly um Anyway, and then now I'm like, it's like now I don't get carded as much as the grocery store. It's the same thing. I'm like, oh shit, people think I'm old now. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Now I don't have to prove myself constantly and I'm upset about it. I'm a millennial. It's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but um, yeah, is it, I, I see that happen a lot where someone has, you know, they've they've um, excelled in their position. They're looking to be go, become a leader at some point in time then they get an opportunity. And then they're just kind of like, figure it out. Like you're now responsible for people's livelihoods, mental health, kind of like, I mean, yes, Because I feel like any leader is I was just talking about this the other day, part coach, part cop, part judge, part parent, part therapist <laughs> at any given moment. And sometimes all at once. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. That's
0: a lot of responsibility. And that's one of the things that I've always uh, tried to take seriously too, is like you were responsible for someone's livelihood and their, their career development and personal growth. <laughs> So 100%
1: uh, agree with that, and, and which is a big deal, right? So, in, in the trainings that I've done over time with uh, folks in my own organization uh, about uh, first time leaders or, or taking all these responsibilities, I said, look, you know, you, you might decide after we go through some of this, that maybe this isn't for you, right? Because that's a, it's a lot to ask. And so, given how much it is, what's the likelihood that you're going to get it all right all the time? I mean, it's just, it's not likely. You're, so, mm-hmm. then you have to be able, willing to forgive yourself. And continue to move through that and work through that. So this is a, it can become a lonely existence when you're in leadership, right? Because if you're a leader and you're continuing to complain to the people that report to you and you're, can you believe they're making me do this? And then you're not a leader, right? You Mm -hmm. you have to stop that. The relationship does change. You should be using colleagues for that. You should be using your boss for those kinds of conversations. You should be using an outside consultant for that or, or a coach. So changes have to happen if you're going to be one of these roles. But just because you were really good at the job as an individual contributor doesn't mean you're necessarily going to want all that other responsibility that comes along with it, which ends up dominating your time. And that's the difference between maintenance of things, you know, just keeping things rolling and changing and improving of things, right? As a leader, frankly, I think that's what you're being asked to do is make things better. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not spending your time doing that, then what are you doing? Are you just another worker who has a title? I, I don't understand. And the team's looking to you to help figure out how are we getting better? Because I'm relying on you, boss, to help me figure out how to get this better. That's kind of your job. Yeah. And that's a big job. All the things you just enumerated, all those different roles that we play when we're in leadership, yeah, that's hard. So, hey, cut yourself a break first. It starts with you. Take care of you. And then I'm sure you've had lots of conversations with clients about that, how to do that, ways to go about it. And then secondly, then it's like, okay. I need to think a little differently about this. And that's going to require, you're going to have to let go of some things and you're going to have to teach people how to do things and then be comfortable that they're not going to get it exactly right necessarily.
0: And
1: when is that okay? When is it good enough? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easier to figure that out. I'm saying this is a necessity in in what you're doing. Yeah. I
0: was just talking about that uh, with a client that I'm, I'm going to be helping kind of do some, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like human resources kind of stuff, but then also outlining, um, you know, job descriptions, it's construction. So it's, you know, an industry that doesn't always start out with but he's like, I really want to provide a good experience for my team and be able to tell them exactly what to expect. How do I know when I'm ready to get a raise or how do I know how promotions work? All that kind of stuff. Great. Um, yeah, but it's like, I don't know. You kind of have to have to start with the, the leader starts with the process and then, um, everything kind of, kind of moves from there, but it ta- like, he started a business and it was like, now I'm in charge of all these people and they like want a raise, but I don't want to give them a raise, but I can't really say why I don't want to give them a raise. Cause I don't really know. Like I haven't outlined that process for myself yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. but not, not everybody's like that. So especially in no. that industry, which I think I was like, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited about this. Um, that,
1: that's cool work it would be interesting to hear how that goes
0: yeah it's fun that's actually it's probably one of my favorite things uh, i've done it a couple times actually this would be the second construction just a slightly different um uh, bent i guess specialty but huh. um i don't know how that happened it just kind of it's like we were talking about earlier like somehow the universe gave me yeah. <laughs> three three back-to-back um assessment experts and different kinds of assessments for <laughs> yeah, for podcast right. guys. I was like it's great. Like I love talking about this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. going on like leadership philosophy for days. So uh <laughs> if someone is not an expert, can they still use assessments like yours or others effectively, do you think?
1: Yeah. 100% yes. Uh you know, it, it's not I literally just got off a call with a client about this. Their concern is, well, you know, everybody's not going to become the level you are, Bob, or they're using some of the lingo or the terminology that you're using, that kind of thing. So there's this there's this necessity for anybody that's a good teacher of, of anything or trying to educate someone to teach them to fish. That's what I view what I'm trying to do is. That, that doesn't mean you're always going to become the level of expert I am at some of these tools that I use. Um, it is my job to help you, let's keep the big picture in mind. Let's not bury the lead here in this story. Let's figure out what's most important, any way you want to say this. And to me, what's most important is helping you take the next right step, given the insight that whatever tools we're looking at are providing you. So the focus shouldn't be on the tool itself and how cool this tool is. The focus should be on what are you going to take this insight and do with it when you're out there in the world? So I guess one of the things I might say about your question is I don't want you to become uh, an expert on the assessment the way I am. Now, if you're like me, I was a user of some of the tools that I'm using now as a consultant before I became a consultant. And I kind of nerded out, you and I probably, we've shared this before and then Chris in an earlier conversation that we kind of like some of the stuff. It really helps to explain some things. So I have found that at certain clients, uh, they end up knowing it every bit as as well as I do, because they really dig in and they just really enjoy it. That doesn't happen everywhere. And that's really okay it's about the outcomes, I'm not going to take my eye off the ball uh, with this and focus on the wrong things. So, and I, for an example, this you know, a client might come to me and say, you know, I've got this direct report who's extremely assertive, right? They they really enjoy thinking conceptually about the risks of change in the business and, and maybe even pushing for those changes, right? And so they have a uh, the direct report that desires a promotion quickly and might even see this as an opportunity or as a stepping stone. You know, all right, well how do I how do I help that person leverage uh, the, the assertiveness they've got and the risk-taking focus. And maybe does that person that reports you have that same one? Or let's talk through what that might look like. And then once we're at, I'm not going to focus on, on the, the specifics of the tools language. It's going to be more, okay, so we've established that we think in layman's terms, this is what we have in this person. Would you agree with that? Yes, we do. Okay, great. Now, how do we talk through what might be a plan of action? How do we coach that person? And typically what I'm going to be sharing with them, and they'll figure this out over time themselves, is what are the dominant traits inside this person's mind and brain? I want to get them as much as I can to, to leverage those things because that's what they wake up easily, naturally, comfortably able to do. So I got the goal. How do I get in there? I'm just going to use some of my knowledge of that. But in describing the knowledge of that, or you know, I, I, lingo won't matter so much over time. Uh, and I, it'll just be more about what are we? What are the action steps that we're taking? So that start you'll start to see some repetitiveness to that. There aren't that there aren't that many different types of brain wiring out there, Kristen. It's not like every there's three hundred different types of brain. It's like yeah, yeah, it's not that different. People do have some consistency. So we we're going to start to see some strategies come back. And uh, when I was teaching high school for for those nine years. Frankly, by the sixth or seventh year, I would see a kid in my class sometimes, oh, that's like Joey from three years ago. I mean, there's some consistencies I would see, and then I would try some of the similar strategies, and and oftentimes it worked. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to become an expert in in terms of all of the the, the specific lingo to the tools you're using. I would say you want to to become an expert in what are some of the action steps that I'm actually taking to, to make a difference. Uh, with the people that i'm that I'm doing that with. So consultants never go away. I think they should be if they're if they're good at what they're doing, they're focusing on that. They're not focusing on themselves and the tools that they have. and I'm trying to do more of that. Uh, that's hard when you know so much about some of the tools. You know you can become a little bit uh, focused on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I would liken that to when I was coaching basketball. there are certain offenses that I really like and I like coaching I see the game a certain way. And I coached with someone that like the Princeton offense. If you know basketball, all, that's a lot of passing around and not necessarily scoring the ball or, or going to the basket, right? And that drove me crazy. It's so, like you know, I'm not a coach that is. You must do things. In, you must run my offense, and I don't care how you play or what your skills or strengths are. You're just going to run my offense. Well, that's kind of nutty. Uh, you have people working for you. Why don't I just leverage what they're good at? Uh, mm-hmm. to get the success that I want. And I, I feel that way a little bit about some of these tools. The tools just give you some insights. They shouldn't be used as a, well, sorry, you don't fit your out. Uh, I, I just don't live in that world where you can afford to do that in most organizations. You have to take what you've got and then you've got to leverage uh, what they can do well to get to your outcomes.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes sense because it, it kind of makes me think of my uh, my days in retail where I started in operations because that's what I do. That's what my brain naturally does. And then, um, to move up in that particular industry, a lot of times you need to go to sales because if you're going to become a GM yeah. or you're going to move into district or something like that, you need to be able to, um, give some sales experience. So it's really hard for operations people and, um, like warehouse logistics, like that kind of like where the, you know, background team, so to speak, right. um, to get into sales. Cause it's a different kind of skill set. but, um, I was able to do that, because I sell differently. I'm more relationship focused. So the, yeah. um, that was kind of the thing where it's like building the actual relationship. And a lot of times in sales, you know, commission or not, uh, the goal is to sling some stuff and <laughs> get it out yeah. the door. Um, so the, the customers that, you know, when I would sell on the floor, if I had the time to just sit and get to know them, man, I could sell the daylights out of stuff, but it's because that's what they wanted. Like we spent the time, we talked about stuff, we, I understood what their whole experience was and how they were trying to use it. Um, yeah. And that was how I used who I am naturally in a, in a sales go. environment that isn't technically my natural instinct. It's still not my favorite thing to do, but I use the relationship building and yep. connecting with people. And um, the people that want to work with me are like, hey, can I give you some money to do some stuff? And I don't have to, I don't have to oh, sell. Like okay. I have to, Yeah, I have to market myself and I market my business. I'm on social media. I have a podcast, you know, all this stuff. Right. right, right. Um, <laughs> But it's those kinds of connections. And then, you know, Bob's like, oh, you know, uh, Christine, w- I think, could really use. It. And so, Christine literally just did that for me. She's like, hey, I feel like this would be a good fit for you. I just wanted to check. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff. That's how I do it. That's how I compensate for not wanting to do cold calls or uh, deal with leads, that kind of stuff um, is just the relationship yeah. side. But anyway. That's smart. You Leveraging your strengths. Yeah.
1: Leveraging your strengths, which is really
0: smart. Yeah. Even if it's like you were saying, like a non traditional, like maybe the, maybe you go from being like, well, I'm an engineer, but you know what? I think I kind of want to do like sales. Like I would go, I would, I'm interested in making relationships with people. And then people are like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> aren't you like do engineers right. like people uh i thought that was like the whole thing yeah <laughs> uh but yeah then then you being an individual in that way and being like oh i really like this aspect anyway yeah it's the you don't have to be in the same box for the rest of your life that's the whole point of no. what we're trying to say <laughs> there you go no very good yep. that's it. there's like a whole warehouse full of boxes you can move around <laughs> you know you've had three different careers same. I have. yeah yeah <laughs> yep for nine years, apparently you said that a few times. I was like, so apparently yeah. nine years Bob's born. He's like, <laughs> all right, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm done with this. Instead of that, what is it? Seven years, I think is the, yeah, yeah, the limit. Go. And you're like, nope, nine, nine. nine. two <laughs> years. Yeah, <laughs> a little slow. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of a nice way to say that, but that's <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> Instead of, uh, <clears throat> so as an entrepreneur yourself, um, what advice would you give fellow business owners when it comes to running their own businesses?
1: Yeah. Well, first, before I give any advice, I would say good for you. I mean, I, I, I really like that people go ahead and take the risk and do. That's really cool. Uh, second thing I would say is you know, join some kind of business roundtable uh, type group sooner than later. I, I waited a little too long on that. I think, you know, somebody that some kind of group of people that will help you sense the accountability that you have to your own plans. I, I'm not a fan that you know the phrase of holding people accountable is really somewhat of a misnomer. Only you can do that for yourself, but you know, you you have a group of people that are going to ask you questions. That's going to remind you that, you know, I said I wanted to do this (laughs) and then I I put it down on paper. So when you have a group of folks doing that, a little bit of peer pressure is not a bad thing. It's hard to do that on your own sometimes. So I would definitely suggest that is a powerful thing to get you moving faster. It's easy when you're just by yourself on this as an entrepreneur to maybe not and you let some things go or things that you said were important. Uh, something, well, they're not important this week anymore, so I'll just move on to something else. So, some of that discipline that's required, we're, we're humans, it, it's, it's really helpful to have that. And I would just suggest doing that, which is part of networking as well. But I, I really, it's more than networking. This is a group that you're going to meet with regularly and is going to hold your feet to the fire on some of the things you said you want to do. So, uh, for, for example, I, I fairly recently joined a Vistage Trusted Advisor group. Uh, that's not the only way that you can do it. The only way, the only way to slice it is not just I'm not, It's not a commercial for business. I'm just suggesting that that group has provided me a lot of that. And it's uh, con- convinced me to do some things that I had been thinking about, but maybe, and said that were important, but hadn't been taking action on. Mm-hmm. So, cause it, the whole thing's hard. I mean, you know, being an entrepreneur is hard. Uh, so I, you don't have to do it all, but it can become a lonely thing pretty fast. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I would just, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I would give uh, to somebody right now.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I think that's a pretty common one that comes up um, when I ask, because I ask this question to everybody that's on the podcast. So it's a pretty common theme um, is, yeah, get get business buddies, mentorship groups, something like even if you can't afford a coach, like being surrounded by people, that's been like such a huge game changer for me is I was like, uh, the only thing I know how to do is go out and build relationships. That's what I did when I worked in a giant office building. So I would be like, I need the answer to this question. I would go find the person that has the answer to the question. And along the way I find other resources. And so that's basically what I've done. Yeah. Um, it's just not in the same building, you know, so it's a, it's right, a right. kind of concept. Um, it's huge because just being around people that are like-minded they're trying to accomplish essentially the same goal as you in some some way shape or form and they're just like hey like yeah that sounds awesome or even just having someone validate the fact that it's a good idea um gives you a little bit of that accountability like oh now i have to like do it like they said (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, and then also the encouragement that you know no one's like that's a dumb idea. I mean, they might, but in, in most yeah. cases they're gonna be like, Oh yeah, that sounds really cool. Like I like that concept. You should totally go for it. And you're just like, yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. But listen,
1: the feedback is, is really important. And it's sometimes yeah. it's hard to get that. And you know, the, the brutal honest truth, sometimes it's hard to get that. Well, oftentimes the what's worse is not when people say potential clients or leads say to, you "No," um, you know, that might seem really harsh and difficult to deal with for some people. I would say, no, what's worse is when you don't hear anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's even harder when you're just indifference is the opposite of love, right? You know, that's kind of what it feels like. You're just people are just indifferent at what you're saying. It's like, okay, I need some feedback. Well, what specifically are you indifferent about? What do I do with it's not working? You yeah. Know, so yep. Having these groups of people to help you figure that out, that's really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mastermind type type concept of uh yeah, learning, growing, getting insight and feedback is massive. Oh. Yeah. So no. um what other resources do you wish you had known about? Uh, at the beginning of your
1: journey, <laughs> you know I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I'm in the midst of changing the the name, the logo of my organization, and all that kind of stuff. And it's been a, it's been a good process. But I didn't when I first did it, I I maybe shortcutted some things. And there's some tools out there in the marketing world. Uh, you know, you you can even do some like quote snap polling of potential clients about, Hey, what do you think of this? If I told you that this person was doing this, or take a look at this logo, what do you think is that, you know, and you can get some feedback. There are some organizations that do that kind of stuff. So you don't feel like you're making a decision just based on, well, I don't know. I asked a few of my friends and they thought it was okay. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. naming the, naming the the organization and deciding how to, you know, begin that marketing process. So a I'm not going to have a marketing budget. That's insane. Uh, what I just mean is setting it up on the front end a little bit better by, by investing in some of those tools and, and getting some feedback. Some of what we we're just talking about would be useful. And that might mean uh, some other consultancy or some other group, they're out there and they fairly quickly can, can get you some information. And I discovered that from doing networking, becoming a part of some of those groups that I mentioned earlier. And then I would say the Chamber of Commerce locally for me has been a, a, a great uh, source of not just leads, really, but relationships that then uh, get you to another lead, right? So, uh, there's like-minded folks there, you know, people that are trying to capitalize on things, you know, in our capitalist uh, economy. So, go there and be around those folks and see where that takes you. I, I would definitely, you know, not just networking, but do it strategically uh, with some some uh, folks that maybe are, are, are like-minded that can really boost your your spirits, frankly, as an entrepreneur when it gets a little bit tough. Yeah. And, uh, so, and this is similar, you know, this group. Of, you know, those things are not, there's a cost with those things or there's an investment that you have to make. So you have to make decisions about where you want to do that. But I would have done maybe more of those early um, action type things uh, that I, I did some, I just didn't maybe think through the whole way uh, how to do that best. So mm-hmm. um, I would say those resources for sure. There's all kinds of resources. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is almost like stealing now, uh, Chris, in terms of what you can learn about somebody without ever having contacted them there's so much information around
0: yeah
1: it's it's insane so there's things you can do that way but it's still the reality not everybody wants to talk to you mm-hmm. and everybody's ready or it's not the right time so and frankly cold calling doesn't it's just showing up somewhere it doesn't really work uh that, that's uh, not, not going to be the way not the hit rate's real low on that i used to train some of our salespeople about it so it's it's more about making connections getting warm introductions if you will and, and making it something that really and then you're gonna have to do that a bunch you know, to, to figure those things out. So the more you can do some of that front end um, decision-making about what do people really think, you know, I, not just, well, I think this works. You know, think, well, great. Is that working for the potential clients that you're going to have? Let's think about what their needs really are. Not just, do you think you have something really
0: cool? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, great. It's not about what I think necessarily. It's about what the marketplace thinks. So go, go out and spend some time on that and network out in that marketplace a little bit more than I did.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think people that, uh, build really strong networking types of relationships or like your business, it's impossible for your business to fail. Even if you decide to do something else, you know, a couple of years, it changes into something or you evolve or you start a new business and let the other one, like you'll be fine no matter what. Um, because those people will support you and help you, even if it's not, they're not buying it, but you know, they're telling people about you or whatever. So, um, because obviously there's generally going to be some reciprocation, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all a symbiotic relationship, um, <laughs> or they'll vote you off the Island, but, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, Bob's just over here trying to sell stuff to me. He doesn't actually care about yes. what I want or what I need. So, yeah. um, that, that
1: show won't seem to die. That, uh, you know, survivor type thing. I don't, I don't know. It just won't go away. Kristen. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I know is it still i feel like it is still running it's like 20 something seasons or something I i just saw
1: a promotion for it last night so yeah
0: yeah you're like how is this still i think they do double like two in a year it's too much yeah uh what three key takeaways do you want everyone to leave this conversation with okay so i number one i would just
1: say human capital is worthy of a major investment earlier than you think so it's at least i think top three of the most important things we can do for the future growth of our business. And I I don't know that a lot of business leaders are seeing it that way. So uh, do something to invest more in thoughtfully planning that out. Uh, Number two, I would say the status quo of your people isn't just stuck there. It's like, well, you know, we have Sally, but she's been here a long time. She knows what she's doing. Okay, so your only option is not just either fire people or hire people. Uh, You know, maybe they're in the wrong seat. Maybe they're being coached real well. Maybe they're just communicating something about your business that's important to your future bottom line. Maybe there's something missing. You can do some things to help yourself there. You're not, you're not just stuck with that status quo. And, and lastly, I would just say, uh, when you're, there, there's some things that you, we all do when we're thinking about our, our, our human capital. We, we, we make observations of our people. We watch them behave. We watch them work. Uh, and then if you have a personality profile of some sort on, on someone, and then do you understand something about the motivations of your people? That takes longer to figure out. Couple that with, or do they have the right job skills and do they have the right education and job knowledge that, that they need to do this job well? All of those factor into the decisions we're making across the employee life cycle, where to move somebody, are they appropriate, are we succession planning or are we rewarding them properly? All those decisions you're making in that life cycle, they all involve those categories. So partner with someone who gets that, that it's not just one tool that's going to be the thing that matters most when you're trying to, you know, there isn't a cure-all for human, human capital that just, just have them do this and boom, there you go. That, that's what you'll, this is where you're going to fix all of your problems. There's, there's work involved that can be achieved by smartly applying appropriate tools, but it's work, right? It's not just, well, you know, I found the thing, you know, and there's lots of cool things I've taken. You kind of mentioned this at the beginning. There's people will drop maybe a really cool new thing on you and people go, oh, that's great, I'll just do that. It's like, well, you can do that. Uh, but if you don't think that there's going to be work after doing that, then, then I think you're missing, you're missing the boat here. So that's why I think you need a partner to help you do that, that kind of work better uh, if you want to have the success that you're interested. So I would want people walking away with those ideas. Well,
0: mm-hmm. that's great. Um, so how can we best support you? What are you working on? How do people stalk you on the internet? all those very important questions. Yes.
1: Well, I will soon have a new uh, website, but you can, you can check me out at OAD, Oliver Apple David midatlantic.com. That's, you'll see a nice big picture of me there. Uh, you can also check, you can email me right now, BCOX at OADLLC.com. And then I'm certainly out there on LinkedIn. Um, and I just started going back out to Facebook, Kristen. I'm an old, as a 50 year old now, I've been and as a former teacher, I, I begged off of Facebook for quite some time. I didn't get, get hung oh. up on that uh, mm-hmm. stuff that can happen, but I'm, I'm back there now trying to utilize some of the groups that are out there and what have you. So you'll see me a little bit more active on there uh, soon as well. So I'm, I'm uh, training Bob is how I'm out there on, um, on LinkedIn. And then you'll see me as uh, uh, on Facebook. Um, I, I'm, it's just Bob Cox. You'll find me out there as Bob Cox. And then I've got a Twitter handle that I haven't tweeted in some time, but I, I, I certainly follow lots of people in there. So I doubt that that will change. I would, I would say those other ways <laughs> better to get a hold of me.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Um, cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with me and chit chatting. It's always a pleasure to yeah. talk to you.
1: Well, that was fun. I hope we can do it again sometime. Maybe not record it, but just have another conversation. That'd be fun. Oh, for
0: sure. Yeah. All the time. Anytime. <laughs>